Let's look at the scriptures together. The Bible says in a very powerful rendition of the Greek, it says, and this is the Amplified, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. All of us, as with unveiled face, because we continue to behold in the Word of God, as in a mirror. Here's your mirror. What do we see as in a mirror? The glory of the Lord. Everybody, anybody got a Bible? Oh, yeah, I got a big Bible on the screen right there, Pastor. Thank you so much for the Bible. Anybody got a real Bible? Anybody got a Bible on your smart device? Anybody got a Bible on your tablet? You know what you're going to find in here? The glory of the Lord as a mirror. And by this, we are constantly, would you please read this with me? Constantly, start at the word constantly, ready? Constantly being transfigured into His very own image in ever increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Are you on a static plane, a plateau or even a descent away from where you were when you first found God? I want to invite everybody to a steady, progressive, ever-increasing ever splendor of becoming more and more like Jesus every day. You know what I'm happy about for today is I'm a, I won't say in my testimony, I'm a little bit more like Jesus today than I was yesterday. And I'm not going to get it right every day. And some days may be a descent. Some days the Lord may find me a little bit down, but... All and all through my life, I want it to be said that from one degree of glory to the next degree, I grew increasingly in Jesus Christ to become more and more like Him. Hallelujah. One more scripture before you're seated. Colossians 1.27, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of His glory, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. After the colon, would you please read it loud? It might get loud. How about after the colon? Y'all ready? Let's get uh, uh, Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27. Okay, that's still the Amplified. Colossians 1.27. All right. 1.27. There it is. See the colon? Right after the word Gentiles. Everybody, let's read. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Jesus Christ is not satisfied to be in a book, story, history. He wants to be Christ in you and me. And he's offering himself today. But only for those who want him more than they want their next breath. In Jesus' name. Lord, bless your word. Help us to tune in what needs to be tuned in. Tune out what needs to be tuned out. Help us, I pray, to filter the noise of our hearts and minds and our thoughts out. And Lord, let your word be given pristine access into our hearts. And I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to do a good job of preaching an unfiltered message, teaching your word to this wonderful audience this morning. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is our plea before the Lord.
I want you all to say after me, Christ be formed in me. Did you ready? Christ be formed in me. If you couldn't hear your neighbor say it, raise your hand. Okay, let's do it loud. Ready? Christ be formed in me. That's today's message. You're welcome to be seated. Have you ever wondered if God wanted to have anything to do with you anymore? Have you ever wondered if perhaps you were someone he really didn't want? Have you even prayed and God just doesn't seem to answer? The hurts and the pains just not going away? could leave you with the impression, I think God has left me. I think God's done. I don't feel like I used to feel. I, there was a point when I had so much faith. I was filled with vigor and fervor. It's just faded. and I just think God has left me. Here's my pastoral counsel for that. If God were really through with you, you would not be worried about it today. And if God was really through with you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be interested in having anything to do with Him. So the desire you feel for Him enough to come on a Sunday morning and the desire you have enough to interrupt your schedule and just say, I'm going to go into the house of the Lord, your desire for that and for growth in Him and to become more like Him can only come from Him. It can only come from His Spirit. So I want us to curse and rebuke the lie that He is finished with me. If you are moving towards God, it's because he's moving toward you. And it's because he wants you to rest in this simple fact that if you want him, he's looking for you. I got a verse to prove it. No one can come to me, Jesus said, except the Father who sent me draws him. There's no such thing as wanting God and not being able to have him. If we want him, he's looking for us. Imagine if we want him more than we want our next breath of air. Imagine what God has in store when we want him more than we want anything else in life. So I would love to take a, an entire semester and teach the book of Galatians to you and us. It's an incredible book. The book of Galatians is a book about turbulence in relationship with God. It really is. It really is. It's amazing that people who were anchored at the early days and the early stages of their faith started to lose that fervor and that faith and they started to become a little more like they were before they received the Holy Spirit. And the Apostle Paul has to, says, has to say, Galatians, who has bewitched you? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect in the flesh? 
No, 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 that does not compute. If you're going to walk with God and you're going to be closer to him, you can't turn back to the flesh. We have to turn to Jesus Christ and look to him throughout the turbulence of our lives, knowing that some days are up and some days are down, and it's not always a beautiful, peaceful sweep straight towards glory because we are human with human cells in our bodies that create so much of life's challenge. But I have some really good news for you about turbulence, spiritually. Let's turn to the physical. Got a commercial airline pilot named Patrick Smith who, who said these words. He's a, he flies 757s and 767s. And here's, here's some things he's noticed about flyers. Passengers, their number one anxiety when you fly, he says, is turbulence. That's their anxiety. Because the passengers seem to think it's dangerous and, and, and it's deadly. But, but this, this pilot, Patrick Smith, argues that from the perspective of the cockpit, the perspective of the pilot, per- turbulence is often just a mere blimp. That's all it is. It's a little blip on the radar. It's not fearful or scary. And here's, here's what he says. He says these words in Business Week a couple years ago. For all intents and purposes, a plane cannot, listen to this, a plane cannot be flipped upside down, cannot be thrown into a tailspin, or otherwise flung from the sky by even the mightiest gust or air pocket. Conditions might be annoying and uncomfortable, but the plane is not going to crash. Turbulence is an aggravating nuisance for everybody, including the crew, but it's also, for lack of a better term, normal. From a pilot's perspective, he says, it is ordinarily seen as a convenience issue, not a safety issue. When a flight changes altitude in search of smoother conditions, this is in the interest of comfort. Pilots aren't worried about the wings falling off. They're just trying to keep their customers relaxed and everybody's coffee where it belongs. And in the worst of it, you probably imagine the pilot's up there, sweaty palms, and he's just all freaking out. And he's barking orders, and his hands are tied on the wheel as the, as the big ship lifts from one side to the other. But nothing could be farther from the truth. He concludes these words with this article. While passengers are fretting about the turbulence, the pilots are having a casual conversation about their morning orange juice. Their morning orange juice. So, folks, this is a message I felt from the Holy Ghost all week long. The Lord confirmed it at prayer meeting on Thursday night. This is a message for those who've experienced spiritual highs and lows, fits and starts, ups and downs of spiritual empowerment and excitement. It can be like a roller coaster at times, I know, and it can seem worthless to try sometimes. Can I just tell you that God, however, is always and forever in favor of us craving the divine life that only He can give through it all. Jesus in the cockpit 
working from the inside out, has got it all under control if you will just simply trust in the God of the Bible, the still the new, still the international bestseller across the planet. Thank God for his word. And I'm glad that he's calmly in the pot in the cockpit. He's in the pilot seat and he's saying, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. So how many of you want to storm the cockpit and make demands and tell him to fix this stuff? No, no, no. He's got it all under control. Knowing all of this, we should be a people who know how to say, okay, God, just help me to be calm in the middle of the mess, the confusion, the turbulence. I've just got to show you there's a possibility of short-lived impulsive victory we get from God. Mark 4, 16, 17. These are the ones sown shallow. Those who have shallow experiences, they're sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. Woo! <laughs> and they shout the aisles, shake hands. So happy for what God has done. So good to see the Lord and to know Jesus. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul is glad. I immediately receive it with gladness. I'm so happy in Jesus. (laughs) How many of you have seen people like that? They're just like, this is better than sliced bread. Can I repeat a quote from my grandmother? One of my aunts told me, my grand-grand Pearl Heyman said, one of the shallowest blessings you can get is shouting the aisles. (laughs) But I sure do love shouting the aisles, Grandma. I'm so sorry. Here's why. Watch. Next verse. He says, because they have no root in themselves. They endure only for a time. But afterward, whenever somebody says something mean about you on Facebook, somebody forgets to invite you to a party, whenever somebody just sort of condescends to you or offends you, well... When tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, because you know the word of God, you want to live by it, but my goodness, it's kind of hard in a social media world where everybody sees what everybody's doing. Jesus said, these shallow, stony ground people receive it with gladness, but immediately they stumble when the going gets tough. I hope I'm looking at an audience here today of people who are so glad to be in the safety of the church. Folks, this is God's New Testament ark of safety. There's only one boat that's going to get you out of this world, and that is the church of Jesus Christ. I want to be in the church that God calls me to. I want to be a part. I don't want to be a watcher. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participant. Call on me, pastor, when we need help. Call on me, brothers and sisters. I want to be a participant. I don't want to be a flash-in-the-pan meteor streaking through space, lighting up the sky, and then gone forever. 
I'm ready to be someone with root in myself. Anybody want to have root in yourself today? You see, that's the problem, right? <laughs> no root within themselves is the problem. So, so God's Word, for the moment, remained a fast-paced emotional experience. But it's so easy to forget that in patience, we possess our souls. We must have a patient understanding that internal spiritual formation, that's what this message is about today, internal spiritual formation is foundational to your victorious divine life. You know you can live a divine life, but you can't do it unless you have Christ formed in you. You ready for this? Galatians 4, 18 and 19. Finally, we're getting to the Scripture. It is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I'm present with you, Paul said, and he goes on to say, my little children, for whom I labor in birth again. See, he labored in birth for them 20 years before when he was passing through Galatia, preaching from city to city to city, getting the Holy Ghost, baptizing them in Jesus' name, people being transformed. The early days were so exciting. That's what this book's about. When you read Galatians, he said, these people say, we were, he says to them, he says, there was a day when you guys thought I was so powerful and precious and special that you would have even plucked your eyes out for me and given them to me. And now I'm your enemy because I tell you the truth. What does that sound like? Bipolar humanity. Serious. For, I, mean, I mean, they're like so excited at the beginning. And now that Paul has to crack the whip and say a thing or two about life, living life, preserving their lives with God, being sanctified before the Lord and staying righteous. And righteousness does not come from our own fleshly efforts. He has to say those things. He has to go like that and crack the whip because they're starting to fall prey to the lie that they can be righteous and holy without Jesus Christ by just defaulting back to Moses' law. Now, there's a lot to that, but the simple fact is this. Paul said... Listen, little children, I am not finished laboring. If I have to do it again, I'll labor in birth again. And if I have to do it, I'll do it again. And if I have to do it, I'll do it again. And here's why. Because Christ is forming himself in you if you will let him. That's why I cry out today, Christ be formed in me. I've got to have Christ being established, and I need to have him coming to reality in me. Praise God. Scriptural basis. Now, I've got a lot of scriptural basis for this internally progressive spiritual formation that must happen. This is, this is how, as a church, we've been here for 65 years. This is why we didn't quit after the first five years. This is why we didn't give up after 10 years. It's because we grabbed a hold of something that is still anchored in the Word. That there must be progressive spiritual formation. Don't be discouraged if you feel empty. If you feel imperfect. Because salvation is not a feeling. Sanctification is not a feeling. And that's what the Galatians were trying to get to was some kind of a feeling like they had done something to make themselves saved. 
But Paul said salvation is not about the way you feel. Faith is not the way you feel. Faith is not even a feeling. Hey, if faith was a feeling, we would never even need it. Formation is not a feeling. It is a process of the divine life that Almighty God is seeking and inviting Himself into your life to live. Philippians 3.12 says, I haven't already attained. This is the great mighty Apostle Paul. He said, I'm not even already perfect. Huh? You can't look to me as a perfect example. But, he said, I press on. This is how we can imitate and mimic the Apostle. We can say, I'm going to press on. I may be struggling with turbulence, and I may not understand, and I may not know what's happening in the cockpit, and I may not know how bad this is going to be and how long the turbulence is going to last, but you know what? I'm going to press on. Are there a few folks here today who say, I'm going to press on? I'm going to press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep on flying. Don't open the cockpit. Don't open the doors. Don't let out the safety slide. I'm staying on the flight. (laughs) We all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ is not finished when you are first cleansed. It cleanses actively, progressively, keeping us clean. His blood actively, progressively cleans us. You know why? Because we need it. (laughs) I mean, I, I, I don't have a halo. Did some songs say that today? Man, Brother Brian, such a great song. I may be a little off-key, you know, my, my song may be a little off-tune or whatever, but you know what the bottom line is? I want to be someone who God Almighty is constantly cleansing, cleansing, cleansing from all sin. Folks, this is a message to help everybody from every stage and level of service for the Lord, however long you've been in loving God and being a part of His family. I want everybody to know that His blood is today cleansing as much as it was cleansing yesterday. And as much as it was cleansing on 30 AD when Jesus was crucified, His blood will never lose its power. His blood cleanses us. Everybody say, it's cleansing now. Woo, did you get that revelation? You know, I kind of think if you got that revelation, few of us would want to run the aisles and be like, what? It's cleansing me right now. Thank you, Lord, for letting me live under the filter of the blood where Jesus Christ, when he looks at me, he only sees perfection because his blood is cleansing me. I have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him created him. And one more, one more. Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Don't stop there. We we usually stop there, don't we? But look what it says. For whom, wait, 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 who's whom talking about? Who's whom talking about? Who's whom talking about? For whom He foreknew? Those who? love God. Those who are the called according to His purpose. Do you know what the Lord's calling according to His purpose is? Saving us 
from sin, delivering us from the wicked of this world, calling us out of darkness into His marvelous light, letting us walk in His light, fellowshipping with Him on a regular basis, knowing sometimes we may be fellowshipping, and He's like getting the raw end of the deal because we're not really fellowship worthy. I've been there before. But here's what it says, for whom He foreknew. He also predestined, watch, to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be firstborn among many brethren. In other words, Almighty God from the beginning of time knew that there would be the people who are called out with the purpose, loving Him with all of their heart. In fact, loving Him more than they love their next breath. Wanting Him more than they want their next breath. Hungry for Him more than they're hungry for their next meal. That's what it's got to be. That's what it's got to come down to. And I want to challenge everyone here today with this simple fact that Almighty God has got a better life for you and He has a better life for me. Today is not a day to say this is the perfect day and I want to repeat it over and over and over. No, I want tomorrow to be a little better than today. I want to be a little closer to the Lord next weekend than I am this weekend. I want to be holy. I want to be progressively holier every single day, more and more like Jesus. And I want to just share with you right now, some of you right here are probably like, I don't know if that's even possible, Pastor. Well, about 400 years ago, a shipload of travelers landed on the northeast coast, Connecticut. 400 years. Well, actually 401 next month. The first year they established a town site. All right, woohoo, they're in a new country. They're in a brand new world. 401 years ago, there's a town site. We're going to establish that first year. Next year, they elected a town government. Then the third year, the town government planned to build a road five miles west into the wilderness. In the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Who needed to go there anyway? I mean, here were people who when they landed on the shore, they had the vision to see 3,000 miles across an ocean and overcome great hardships to get there. But just in a few years, they're not able to see even five miles out of town. They had lost their pioneering vision. With a clear vision, brothers and sisters, of what we can become in Christ no ocean of difficulty is too great. There's no aisle too long to walk down. There's no service too long, no worship that's too loud. Brothers, sisters, can I tell you that when we have a clear vision of what Christ wants to do in you and what he wants to do in me, I'm going to tell you something. We can get a hold of this and say, God, I'm ready for you to help me break those boundaries. I'm ready for you to help me break through the walls that I'm setting up for myself. I'm imposing on myself restrictions and I'm limiting the Holy One of Israel because I don't think it can get any better. But I want to tell somebody this morning, it can get better even after 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years. We keep serving God on a regular basis. It gets better as the days go by if you stay faithful. So here's what it comes down to. Be filled with the Spirit, right? I got to show you a scripture, right? I really got to show you. Watch this. This is Galatians 2.20. Apostle Paul 
gives us this vision. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Everybody say it. But Christ lives in me. The life, it's a divine life now. Everybody say divine life. (laughs) The life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, here's what I want to do. I want to start shoving some heads underwater. Yeah, I would like to do that with baptism. I think it's ready. Baptism is ready. And I was telling my dear brother Chris earlier today, Chris McHugh, that Seems like we just need to hold people's head underwater in the baptistry until they cease to move and turn gray. That way they'll be saved. Because it seems like when they first come out of that water, everything's great, but give them a five-year point, and they're like, wow, I don't know. Uh, Can I tell you, this requires today's message to be born in you. That when we come out of the water of baptism, we come out not just because the pastor had mercy on us and was willing to lay your head up, but we come out knowing that Almighty God has given us our next breath as a saved breath, sanctified breath, set free breath, ready to walk with God breath, ready to testify and witness breath, and ready to watch Christ be formed in me breath, uh, where I have got the Holy Ghost and fire inside me, and it's keeping me alive, and it's making me everything I want, everything God wants me to be, which is absolutely what I want. Everybody say paraclete. Paraclete. Doubt that you've used that word this week, paraclete. It's not a pair of football shoes. Paraclete. It's a Greek word. The word paraclete means someone called to someone's aid. Paraclete, someone who comes along to help. Someone who comes along to help you when you can't pedal anymore. When you can't paddle anymore. When you've reached a point where you need more than you have internally. That's what paraclete means. It's awesome. Awesome concept. Paraclete. Let me show you where it's at. You'll find the word paraclete in John 16, 7. It doesn't say paraclete in the English because it's a Greek word. But it comes up in the word helper. All right, y'all ready for this? John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, Jesus said. For if I do not go away, the paraclete. King James says comforter. New King James says helper. The Amplified has 10 words for it. But it really comes down to someone called to someone else's aid. First aid. Red Cross. First responder. Who's there to help me when I can't help myself? Woo! Jesus said, I got to go away so that the helper will come to you. Because if I don't leave, you don't need no helper. Because you're going to just keep following me around. (laughs) But I got to go away so I can send a global helper. So I can pour out my helper on all flesh. Come on, somebody. 
The Lord God Almighty is not happy to be in one isolated location. That was never his intention. He is a global God who cares from sea to shining sea and from pole to pole. He loves the creation that he made. He shed his blood and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So... He says, listen, I got I to gotta do this. I got to, if you want a paraclete, a helper, someone called to your aid, I got I to go. If I depart, I'm going to send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You talk about giving you the ability to be a good judge when you have the Holy Spirit helping you on a regular basis. Backing up to 1426, he says the helper. He helps us understand it a little bit more. He says the helper, the helper. Everybody say the helper. The Holy Spirit, same thing, interchangeable. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. All that I said to you. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but, he will, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. You get all of that when you get the helper. God, Christ, be formed in me. Be formed in me. Lord, be formed in me. In Jesus' name. Folks, I had the opportunity again to get out on a, on a, on a what's it called? A, a quiet cat trail bike a couple of days ago. Closing day of archery season. It's a bicycle with pedals. But in the mountains, I hate bicycles with pedals. I really do. I remember taking my boys. I was like, man, I'm going to take Don and Jared, their little boys. I'm going to take them mountain biking. We're going to have so much fun. We're going to pack our backpacks, and we're going to have so much fun. Well, I didn't last very long. All we did is take the bikes out of the, off the racks, and before you know it, we got crying and whining going on because they were like 9 and 13 years old, and they couldn't do it. I mean, I mean, especially the little brother. He's like, Daddy, help me. I can't pedal up this hill. It's really not... So awesome being a mountain biker, unless you're in awesome shape, okay? And sorry, I'm really not there. I know you could probably not tell, but I'm really not there, right? <laughs> okay, so, so Thursday, again, again, we take the, I, I, got, I got a wonderful, wonderful friend who lets me borrow his quiet cat that's got 1,500 milliamps of power that actually is silent when it pushes the bike, you can't even see it. You can't even tell it's got a motor. It just looks like a bicycle with huge tires. You get on it in the mountains, and folks, the moment you start putting a little bit of pressure on the pedal, it takes off all by itself quietly. You're like, "Woo! this is like heaven. I could go this, I can make this hill. All by myself, I would have to pedal. All by myself, I'd have to get off and push. But you know what? As long as I'm applying a little bit of my own pedal power, that thing takes off, and I can set it from one to five. Five is fast, and then sport mode's even faster. And it's silent. Quieter than walking through the woods. It's just amazing. 
You can travel four or five miles before you know it. Over hills, through the woods, jumping over logs. It's amazing. Try it without help, without a helper, without a paraclete. And I just would say, sorry, I'll walk. That's what I do. But when you've got a helper built in with a great big battery that's just not, well, it's a 12-pound battery. It's, it's, it's right there on the pole in front of you where you're riding it. it it's just doing all the work. And, and when you start to pedal, it starts to, when you stop pedaling, it lets off too. Think about that. Let me paint the picture for you. Maybe part of the future. We may all get to be on quiet cats before it's over with. Who knows? But, but you, if you start pedaling, it's like, oh, somebody's pedaling. I got to work too. And it kicks into gear and it starts pushing you at the speed you have set. The, the faster you have it set, the faster it goes. So I like to leave it in first gear. Anybody ever ride bikes before? First gear is the slowest gear. Because as long as I'm at least pushing with a little bit of effort, it gives everything it's got, whatever I'm set it, whatever it's set to. And when I stop pedaling, it says, oh, I guess it's time to stop. I know I talked about this last Sunday, but I didn't elaborate much. Can I just tell you, this is exactly the way the helper who the Lord sent, who the Father sent in the name of Jesus Christ. This is exactly how he operates. Whenever you stop, he says, well, I guess there's not enough interest in me. I'll just go ahead and let you be on your own, all right? But when he sees some of us get up on a Sunday morning and we get ourselves dressed and we come on to church and we've been practicing and praying all week and we're ready to come to church on a Sunday morning and we're ready to put it all, put the pedal to the metal and put our weight on the pedals, I will tell you what God does. God says, I'm going to show up now because it's my turn to help you. I am your comforter. I am your paraclete. I am your helper. You don't have to do this all by yourself. You don't have to pedal alone. I am here to help you day and night. I'm ready to be here whenever you need me. The darkest hour. I'm ready to be here in the times of the deepest need and the greatest depression. Almighty God says, I want to be and I will be your helper. Oh, here's a little list, folks. As I wrap up, I'm just going to tell you, this is a short list of the things we can expect to happen in our lives when we're filled with the holy helper when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. He will always be with us no matter where we are or no matter what we're doing. He never leaves us. That's what the Bible says. He will search our hearts and show us what we need to change on a regular basis. He'll give us the abilities to do what we need to do and even gifts for work or wisdom or words to say when we don't know what to say. Can I get a witness from anybody who has the helper? He will lead us and guide us in life. Number five, he will show us truth and teach us. Number six, he will counsel us and help us. Number seven, he will help us to live the life we need. Number eight, he'll fill us and control us. Number nine, he will correct us and convict us. Number 10, he will change us. Number 11, he will give us gifts to help each other and put the body of Christ together. These are a few things that happen whenever we have Christ formed in us. Folks, I wouldn't want to live another day without Christ 
being formed in me, his helper being inside of me. It's interesting to study, church, that that, that that is so powerful and beautiful and wonderful. But can I just tell you that it is possible to stop the flow of the Spirit in our lives. The flow of God that leads to a changed life, you and I can stop pedaling. I believe I call these seven sins. I believe they are sins against the Holy Spirit. It seems more people are worried about the first one than the other six. I think that's a mistake because they all are sins. Number one, we can blaspheme the Spirit, the unpardonable sin. Number two, we can vex the Spirit. We do that when we rebel against what God's Spirit is trying to do in our lives and we turn our back on Him. It's called vexing the Spirit. We can insult the Spirit of grace. That's what happens when we refuse to accept the blood of Jesus And the power of His name and the Spirit of God is insulted. We can resist it. The Bible tells us we can resist it by rejecting insight and guidance God brings into our lives. Just simply resisting. We can lie to the Holy Spirit. That's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they were some of the brand new converts on the day of Pentecost. They lied to themselves. They lied to others. And it was the Holy Spirit that they were lying against And that lie caused them to pay the ultimate price for their lying to the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. That's kind of like you got a little flame that's flickering, and you just put a blanket on it that's wet. Quench it. One more. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Spirit. Christ within us can produce, does produce fruit that is completely contrary to the works of the flesh. And I thank God. (laughs) I thank God for the helper inside of me. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You know the list. Nine beautiful fruit of the Spirit. Yet when we continue to rely on the works of the flesh and not the fruit and not the enablements of the Spirit, We grieve the Spirit of the God of the universe. How many of you today want to say, God, I'm ready to pedal? (laughs) I told you, first gear, just just make a little action. Put a little effort into it. When you you just start to motion that you're going to pedal, boom, he takes off. I wonder what would happen today if a few of us would say, Pastor, we need God today like never before. Folks, let's get rid of self and let's let the Spirit control our lives. See, this, this is, there was a king in the Old Testament named Saul. He lost the favor of God. He resisted authority. He resisted counsel. He was more afraid of the people than he was afraid of the face of God. And he ended up destroying himself as a result. So, I just... I just I'm just thankful for God's Spirit at work today. Can I tell you right now, this is why I am not nervous or upset or afraid right this second. It's because God's Spirit is at work. God's Spirit is working today. Anybody ever heard of Dennis Prager? Raise your hand, Dennis Prager. If you haven't heard of Dennis Prager, look him up. Some really, really interesting stuff. One time, he's a Jewish radio pundit. But anyway, he, he was engaged in a broadcast debate with an atheist. Okay, so he's this staunch Jewish guy, and there's an atheist philosopher, Glover, is the guy's name. Glover's arguing about religious beliefs with, with Prager. 
And, and it, he says, hey, religious beliefs are just irrelevant in material scientific world. You don't need to have religious beliefs. And Well, Prager listened for a long time, and then finally he raised this one provocative question. Okay, Professor Glover, you don't believe in anything about God. You don't believe in religious beliefs. You don't think any of that's necessary. But let me ask you, if you were stranded at the midnight hour in a desolate Los Angeles street, dark alley, you step out of your car with fear and trembling, and you're suddenly hearing the weight of pounding of footsteps behind you in the dark. And emerging from the dark, you see ten burly young men who just stepped out of a dwelling coming towards you. Would it or would it not make a difference to you to know that they were coming from a Bible study? I just felt the tension leave my body. Praise God. It's not a crack house. Praise God, it's not a party. Woo. You're coming from a prayer meeting. You're coming from a Bible study. Hallelujah. I don't care, man. I mean, suddenly, believing in God makes a little difference. There's a, an emotion and an explosion of laughter in the auditorium that happens during that debate. And that atheist conceded, yes, it would make a difference. So here it is, the simple knowledge, folks, that God is operational, that God is loving, that He is working, that He's transforming lives around you right now. That's enough to bring a renewed pursuit of His Spirit work in our personal lives. How about today we make this simple decision? God, we may not understand a lot about you, God, and we may not understand the way this plane is flying and flapping through the sky, and it seems like we might be hitting some turbulence in our lives, but, but God, through the dips and the curves and the swings and the sways, Lord, we're not going to give up on you. We're going to keep on trusting in you because we want you to be formed in me. I want to be someone like Paul who says, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge is my pursuit, that I might be filled with all the fullness of God. In Jesus' name, how about we as an audience stand to our feet and get ready right now to throw our hands in the air and thank God for what he's saying to us. And we're going to do that in just one moment. But first, I'd like to just tell you, the scripture tells us this very simple, profound fact. It says, you are not in the flesh, but indeed, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. But if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, woo, <laughs> dwell in me. I wonder if anybody here would be willing just to raise their hand and say, dwell in me, God. Lord Jesus, let the Spirit of Him who raised Christ, the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus, the Spirit dwell in me. Lord, let it dwell in me. Christ be formed. Christ be formed. 
Christ, I want you to be formed in me. Anybody here today desperate enough to say, I'm not caring about pride. I'm not caring about self-image. All I want today is I want to grab a hold of Jesus with a desperate grip. I'm ready to have Jesus formed in me like never before. I don't care how long you've known God or how short you've known Him. I want to invite anybody and everybody who would like to spend time in prayer up around this altar and say, God, I need you to dwell in me because, Lord Jesus, if I don't have that spirit, I'm not yours. But, Lord Jesus, I want your spirit to dwell in me. Dwell in me, you raised Christ from the dead. And Lord, you will also give life to my mortal body through your spirit, Lord Jesus, who dwells in me. So it's my prayer. Christ be formed in me.